Hi, I'm George Fraser, CEO of FraserNet Incorporated and the executive producer of the Power Networking Conference. Our vision is to lead a global networking movement that brings together diverse human resources to increase opportunities for people of African descent. You are listening to one of the outstanding programs recorded live during the Power Networking Conference. Now here's the presentation. We know that you will find it very beneficial. I'll be back at the end with some closing remarks. Dr. Miles Monroe, there is much uh, to be said about him. I had the privilege of seeing him speak on a couple of occasions. On both occasions, I left his talk a different person. I also stole some of his lines and ideas, but uh, Dr. Monroe, I abided by the law of attribution, and that is I gave you credit for those lines three times, and then they became my original lines. <laughs> so I don't know if you have any uh, a notepad, uh, but you might want to take some notes if you're going to practice speaking, because this is the man. Dr. Monroe is an international teacher, and he really is. He's a speaker, lecturer. He is the founder and president of the Bahamas Faith Ministry International, an all-encompassing network of ministries with headquarters in Nassau, Bahamas, and all you brothers and sisters that visit Nassau, Bahamas, and I know you do. If you're there one Sunday, you ought to see this man's palace, and uh, you ought to see the queen that occupies the throne next to his in this palace. Uh, Ms. Monroe is with us. She has blessed us with her grace. Will you please stand and be recognized as well? Uh, Dr. Monroe holds a BA degree in education of fine arts and theology from Oral Roberts University and a master's degree in administration from the University of Tulsa. And in 1990, Dr. Monroe received his honorary doctorate degree from Oral Roberts University. He is a prolific author, a profound thinker, a spirit in his own right, a brother that is on purpose doing God's work. He does it with evangelical zeal and great passion. Please welcome to this podium with a power networking welcome, the one and only, the very special, the gifted Dr. Miles Monroe. I want to say good evening. In the Bahamas, we say good evening. And in some parts, they say good night. Um, I want to thank the most successful networking spirit I've ever met, George Frazier for putting together, and I mean that. Yeah, he deserves that hand, he does. He does. I want to thank George Frazier and his precious wife and their two sons for accepting a vision and a call from God 
to, in this generation, deliver something to a very special segment of the world's population that needs to be delivered. And I think this is very important because he could have settled down and gotten a good job and made a lot of money as an executive somewhere and, and not have to do this. This takes a lot of stress, a lot of work personally. And I believe that this is a continuation of his assignment. What he has done for the past 25 years was preparation for what he's about to do. And I want you to know that. I think you have now entered your final groove. This is what you really was born to do. This is it right here. And I think we're going to benefit from this for the rest of our lives. George Frazier, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure for me to be with you and uh, to participate in this. And George and I met briefly in Detroit. He said to me, I got this idea and I want to do something. And this was last year. And, and I said to him, proceed, go with it. And uh, then he called me back. He says, I think I want you to be involved in it. And he says, I've never done this before. This is the first time I'm doing this. And I said, everyone has had a first time. And uh, for the first one, you have done excellent. This is excellent. To do this without a staff in place, totally on volunteer work from this community, some of the churches got involved, like Pastor Scott and his wife and other pastors got their members involved in this. Isn't it great to see black people working together? I think this is just a sign of what's going to happen in, in Power Network Conference 2. It's going to be greater, it's going to be more refined because you would have learned so much in this first one and I'm happy to be a part of the first one. Uh, I do have my lovely, darling, wonderful, fantastic, beautiful, awesome, exquisite, precious. She's the essence of the quintessence of love. Uh, this is my wife of 23 years. This is a woman I love with all my heart, my liver, my lungs, my pancreas, and everything that is within me. The mother of the only two children I have on the planet. She's my first wife and the last one I'll ever want. Please welcome again my lovely wife, Ruth Monroe. I have two of my staff members that came from the Bahamas to be with me here to help to uh, support this project and also to work with you to provide for you some opportunities for de developing yourself. Uh, I heard a statement made by George this last session he was in that I had to write it down and I thought it was so critical. He said that knowledge is not power and that is true. He said knowledge empowers us. What we do with that knowledge is power. I think we've had so much information now. We are information experts. What we need now is transformation. We need to apply that knowledge. And, and so my staff that have come with me are here to serve you, to help you. Uh, we have a number of important uh, leadership development and personal business development items that are available. And uh, we have well over 25 best-selling books that are now in 87 countries. And some of the new ones are available for you today. And I encourage you to 
become your own responsible professor. Provide your own education. Take advantage of tapes and books and videos by the other speakers who are here as well. And my friend T.D. Jakes, I'm sure will have some things available. And many of the other speakers, George has a great book out there. Don't walk past his table. That book on success is powerful stuff. And I got my first copy sent to me in the mail. I read it, and I tell you, it has been an incredible inspiration to me. And I stole some of your stuff, too. I gave you credit twice, not three times. So please take advantage of opportunity. Uh, there is, uh, there is a, a couple of items. There are a couple of items I'd like to just mention to you before I present what I'm going to share with you. I want you to write these down, just a couple of things I want you to take a look at and invest in. Uh, all of us are a sum total of what we have learned. And the most important book I've ever written is one that is just beginning to hit the bestsellers list. It was slow because people didn't understand the book, but it's finally hit. I got a note from President George Bush. Uh, he got a copy of this book that was sent to him by the publisher. And he wrote me back and said that this has been one of the most enlightening books he's ever read. And he's recommending it to everybody in leadership, especially those who have been struggling with oppression. And um, the book has been sent to Saddam Hussein. A copy has been sent to uh, the leaders of all the African countries. A copy of the book has been sent to Tony Blair. The publishers financed, actually, the, the sending of this book to every world leader. 186 presidents and prime ministers have received this book. I sat with the president of Nigeria in his house. And this man is an, an extraordinary man. He's the president of the largest black nation in the world. And he held up this book in his hand and he said, if every leader could read this book, we would see the salvaging of mismanagement of the resources in Africa. I didn't know that this book would become so important to leaders and to business people. And I want to recommend this as my personal gift and my personal admonition to you, to the world. This is my, my contribution to the developing peoples of the world. It's called The Burden of Freedom. Please write that down. The Burden of Freedom. Uh, the book looks like this. It's, it's kind of a, it's not heavy reading, but it's, it's a lot of reading. But it is divided into short chapters so you can take chunks of it and then digest it. The book is called The Burden of Freedom and it deals with discovering the key to your individual and national freedom. It's for nations as well as individuals. I want to recommend this to you, and I promised that I would spend at least 20 minutes or 30 minutes after this session autographing this book myself, if you are interested. I will be out in the lobby. I want to do that. Many times I work with large crowds and thousands of people, so I don't get to autograph books too often. But I will do this because I really believe that you are the people who are going to make the freedom a reality. In this book, I separate three words. Slavery, deliverance, and freedom. And I try to define the difference between the three. Most of us have experienced deliverance, but we're still not free.
Because freedom has a heavy burden. And that's what this conference is about. It's about accepting the burden, the responsibility of freedom. Freedom is hard work. And that is why the desire to go back is very attractive. Slavery is more comfortable than freedom. And that's what this book will help you understand. You'll find out why people want to go back to oppression. Because oppression is easier to live in than freedom. Because in oppression, you don't have to be responsible for anything. But in freedom, you take full responsibility for your own destiny. And that's hard work. I want to recommend this to you. It's a very important part of what we are teaching worldwide. And it's available here. I think we got a limited amount of these, but I want to recommend that to you. And uh, there's one other book I want to recommend. Uh, two books, one for women. It's called The Power of Woman. And one is called The Power of Men. These are our newest books just released. And they've already been sold out twice. But I think we got a shipment in. And uh, they should be available for you tonight. And a book called How to Develop a Success Mentality. And this book is available on the table out there as well. And uh, I want to recommend this book to you as well. This is the way we learn and grow. I was born into a family of 11 children, one mother, one father. And uh, I'm number six in the family. I'm going to use this mic. Is the sound man okay? And one of the things that I learned, I was born into a house made of wood. Four stones held the house from the ground about 15 inches. So the roaches and rats couldn't come, out, come in too easily. I was born into a house two bedrooms, one for my mother and father, and the other was for my sisters. And so the boys had to find somewhere to sleep. We were so poor, we didn't know we were poor because there was poverty all around us. We thought we were doing well. I know what it is of your best friends as roaches and rats. I was born on an island seven miles wide and 21 miles long, and I still live on that island. Today, I have a different story. I live by the beach in a house that's almost a million dollars. I drive a pretty good Jaguar, 2002. I'm worth a few dollars, I won't tell you. I'm impacting millions of people every week. I've become sought after for the things I have distilled in my life over 35 years of study. I have become aware that what I have to say, people want to buy. And so my books are in 87 countries, in 14 languages. And I still go back and visit the street of that wooden house, just to remind myself very often that you can rise from the floor and live on the beach. How do you move from there to here? I have founded five major companies 
and a global network. I'm the chairman of the Leadership Association for Third World Leaders, which incorporates over 89 countries. How do you do this from the floor to the beach? I think that sometimes we believe people are lucky, but there's no luck in life. There is the understanding of some basic principles that are available to everybody. So I want to share with you one of the things that I learned as a teenager that changed my whole thinking, that changed the course of my destiny, and that continues to control my everyday decision making. I believe that this is one of the keys to becoming all that you're dreaming in your business, in your career, in your profession. I want to talk to you about the subject of the two things that made the difference in my life. The first one is purpose and the second one is vision. I want you to write this down. Understanding the power of purpose and vision. No matter who you are, where you are in life, without understanding these two concepts, life will become an experiment in frustration. I heard the, the theme a few times today. I'm going to address this and you can take notes from the, the projectors on the board, but I want to follow this very quickly because of time. I won't finish my presentation because I understand the limitations we are under, but I will give you just enough to aggravate you. So you can go and pursue the rest in the tapes and books available out there. But I want to talk about understanding the nature of the discipline of personal vision. Many people don't understand how success happens. And success is not something that happens to special people. It happens to people who understand the unique principles of success. First, we need to understand that vision is a source of discipline. So I'm going to go through a few introductory comments. I want you to take notes of them if you can. I'm going to move quickly, but I'm going to just read through some of the comments I want you to capture. The first one is that the greatest gift ever given to man by the Creator is the gift of choice. That's the most wonderful gift we possess. However, the most dangerous gift ever given to man was the gift of choice. It's the most wonderful gift, but it's the most dangerous one. Why? Because man has been given the power to choose even against his creator. That's a powerful gift. The most complicated thing about life is its alternatives. That's the toughest part of life right there. Life is filled with alternatives and that's the most complicated part. Why do I mention this? Because the secret to life is being able to make the right decisions among the alternatives. The most challenging task in life is not making decisions, but knowing which decisions to make. Everybody, every day, is a decision maker. 
Even the decision not to decide is a decision. The difficulty in life is deciding what to decide. And even in this conference, you're going to hear great speakers over and over again, great sessions, the workshops and everything else. And when you leave here, you've got to make some decisions. You can decide to remain exactly what you were before you came here. So it all boils down still to a decision. The reality of life then is that you are the sum total of all the decisions that you make every day. That's all you are. In essence, you have become exactly what you decide. Or what you decided. That's a tough confession, but it's the truth. Even registering for this conference was a decision that you made. So we are the sum total of everything we decide. I like this statement made by the great first century apostle Paul, and I wanted you to see this. He said in his book to a group of people in a city called Corinth, in chapter 6 of his document, he makes this statement. He says, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. And then he says, everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. End quote. He's talking about the freedom to decide. He said, I can do whatever I want. I am permitted to decide anything I want to do. He says, but not everything is beneficial. So the key to making decisions is for you to determine what is beneficial. And that's sometimes that's confusing. I have an answer for you. The key to this whole decision making experience is the power of vision. I am convinced that everybody every day is a decision maker. Even when you don't decide, you've made a decision. And I wanted to reinforce this. That the difficulty then is deciding what to decide. Because that is the key to your future. In essence, you become exactly what you decide. Reinforcement. What happens in this conference? Is determined by you not by those who host it let's then talk about the power of decisions and vision the quality of your decisions is determined by the quality of information you possess you possess the power to decide whatever you want but you've got to have the right information to make the right decisions why is this issue of decisions so important? And this is the question I wanted to throw out. I believe it's because discipline is created by the power of choice. What do we mean by this? The key to success in life is not just information, but discipline. Someone asks me, how do you do everything you do and still have a good time? How do you become a father of two wonderful college-age students in college? How do you become a good husband to a wonderful wife and, and be the pastor of a couple thousand people and oversee five different companies? And how do you sit on boards of banks? And how do you write books? And, and they 
hit their best-selling charts? And how do you travel 200,000 miles a year? And how do you speak and prepare to speak? And how do you impact people and counsel governments? How do you do all of that and still remain happy, sane? I said there's three ways you do it. One, prioritize. Two, organize. And three, discipline. Tough one. You must set your priorities first. Then you must organize your life according to your priorities. And then you must discipline yourself to follow the organized priorities you set. Because a lot of people in this room got great plans, but you keep sabotaging your own plans because you won't discipline yourself to follow your plan. And sometimes we allow people to sabotage our plans by interfering with our lives. The older I grow, the more I am jealous about my time. I don't like to just be with anybody anymore. I discipline my company. Discipline is the key. What is discipline? Here's a definition I found helpful. And this is one that I have developed over 30 years. Discipline is a self-imposed standard or standards and restrictions motivated by a desire greater than alternatives. I want to repeat that. Discipline is a self-imposed standard or restriction motivated by a desire greater than the alternatives. What does that mean? Discipline is decisions dictated by a determined destiny. In other words, a person is become disciplined when they have found something that is more important than the alternatives. And they decide that they will forego the alternatives in order to achieve what they consider desirable. Discipline, therefore, is the key to vision. And vision gives birth to discipline. If you can see where you want to go, it suddenly disciplines you. If you know what you want to achieve, it becomes your discipline. And so I stress that the greatest gift God gave man is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. That's why eyes that look are common, but eyes that can see are rare. Vision is the source of hope is the seed of faith. Vision is the foundation of courage. It is the fuel of persistence. When a person has a vision, they become possessed. And once they are possessed, then opposition becomes simply uh, a test of their resolve. It doesn't stop them. Vision, therefore, is the key to passion. God gave man the ability of vision so that man could not have to live by what he sees. If you travel through the dilapidated areas of this city and visit the slum areas of this city, which the visitors don't ever see usually, you can be depressed.
But we need people who can drive through the ghetto and see a city. People who can drive through the lowest areas of the city and see a new city. Your eyes look, but vision interprets. I want to stress then that vision is a capacity to believe what you cannot see and prepare and plan to go there. One of the interesting words used in the biblical text that changed my life was this word imagination. I didn't know it was in the Bible. It shows up in the first place in the 11th chapter of the book of Moses of Genesis when the people got together as one people and by the way they were Africans they were under the leadership of a black man named Nimrod he had a dream that he would build a city and then they decided to build a tower that would go up to the heavens and and they all agreed to do it which was the power of networking and then they decided they're gonna do this for their own namesake that was the only problem they wanted to build themselves a tower and build a name for themselves. They didn't want to pollinate anybody else. And that was the disagreement heaven had with their plan. And the word imagination shows up and God spoke and says, This people are now one. Nothing is more dangerous than people becoming one. He said, anything that they imagine to do, nothing will be impossible to them. If they agree to do it and they plan to do it, he says, nothing shall be impossible. That was God speaking. And how did God disrupt that program? By changing their language. And that is still affecting us today. Networking like this brings us together so we can get our language back began to see the same thing, but this time build a tower not to our name, but to the name of the one who created us. The second time I saw the word imagination is in the writing of this first century apostle. In his book to the people at Ephesus, in chapter 3, verse 20, he says, unto him who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above far beyond all that you can ever ask or think or imagine i went and checked the greek to make sure that was there because i couldn't believe that it's okay to imagine imagination is god's gift for you to take a tour of your future come back to the present and make plans to go there What we need to do is to sit in this kind of conference and dream and then go there in your imagination. Visit the buildings that you're supposed to build. Walk into the sections of the classrooms you're supposed to establish. See the factory that you own and visit the workers and shake their hands and, and look at the parking lot of your 10-story skyscraper and see your name on the top. Visit it and then come back and say, I'm going there. That's what imagination gives you the power to do. That is what vision does. And next, 
Big thinking precedes great achievement. No great leader has ever succeeded without vision. Nothing worthwhile has ever been done without seeing what others cannot see yet. It's vision. So I see myself like this man in this photo. No end in sight to what I can become. Nothing is impossible. Let's understand vision quickly. It is said that the poorest man in the world is not a man without money, but a man without a dream. When a person has lost vision, they've lost their life. King Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 29. He says, the poor man and the rich man has one thing in common. This verse messed me up. It says, God made them both. But then when I read it again, it says, the rich man, the poor man has one thing in common. God gave sight to both. When I first read it, I thought, well, maybe God creates rich people and poor people, and that's unfair. But then when I read a little closer, that's not what it says. It says, God creates people. Some become rich, some become poor, depending on how they see. He gave sight to both. Reminds of a young man and his friend who left college one day. It's a true story. And they went to India to visit and they put their backpack on and they collected up their monies and saved it up. Went to India to spend three months to trek across India and to come back to college the next year. And they went to India, saw Calcutta, went to Bombay, saw the poverty. Millions of people they saw in the streets, sleeping in the mud, in the slums, barefoot people, raggedy people, sleeping in among flies and mud. And one of the young men, after being there for about three months getting ready to leave he says man I can't take it anymore too much poverty here he said look at those people and he showed his friend thousands thrown into the city streets walking around barefoot and filthy and he said look at those people no shoes filthy and his friend looked and says look at the shoe business he came back home from college to college dropped out of college, designed a shoe out of plastic. He wanted to make it very inexpensive and he developed this original plastic shoe that we've all come to be aware of and that was what made him develop that shoe. And he went back and patented it and began to ship shoes over to India and the shoes were costing like 50 cents. He became a multi-millionaire overnight. Just a student. His name is Tom. Last name is McCann. Some people see bare feet. I wonder what you see. The rich and the poor have one thing in common. God gave sight to both. September 11th is a tragedy in our lives, but it's also big business. Have you noticed? It's a good time to start a security company. It depends on how you see. It's a good time to train dogs and sell them. Depends on how you see. You ever wonder why the Asians never lose in any city they go into? Do you know why the Chinese always come and take over your neighborhood? Do you know why they never lose? They never work for people? Do you know why? 
I was in Malaysia not too long ago and I was sitting around the table with all multi-millionaires and I was invited to speak to them and I was in this interesting environment and when I finished speaking they were so impressed they were shocked by my message and they said we want to take you for private lunch so we went to a luncheon restaurant very exquisite we were in a little room by ourselves and they began to talk to me about life and they said there's something I noticed every country in America every state everywhere we go in the Caribbean even in South America in Africa wherever we go the black people like yourself wherever we go they seem to always be on the bottom they said they said but when we go we see our people they are always owning businesses and always on top and they will come with nothing and in six months they got something I said yes tell me your secret <laughs> Please tell me your secret. Because in my country, you took over also. In my ghetto neighborhood was a Chinese store. I said, what is your secret? He says, well, we have discussed this for many years. Oh, they talk. He said, well, we've come to a conclusion. We understand now what the problem might be. I said, tell me quickly. And the gentleman in his fine tweed suit looked at me and he said well we believe you see whenever our people he said two things about us number one in our language there's no word for chaos there's no word in our language for problem I said what he said in the Chinese language the Japanese language, there's no word for problem he said the word the character for problem is the same character for opportunity so whenever you call something a problem the Chinese call it opportunity 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 so who do you think right now are making the screening machines for airports oh they went to work September 11 gave them opportunity you complain they make contracts he said secondly whenever our people go to an area to live when we enter a city he says you people when you come to a city the first thing you look for is a job he said when we come to a city the first thing we look for is a business two different mentalities you see what you look for change my whole life so everywhere I go now I'm looking for businesses I've been here for 48 hours I've already seen a few Write this down. Every problem is a business. The man who solves it becomes the employer. It's how you see. Eyes that look are common, but eyes that see are rare. So vision is the key. What is vision? I want to define vision for you very quickly. Vision is an internalized, clear mental image of a preferable future. And this is imparted in your spirit 
through inspiration from God. In other words, God gives you the ability to actually see things no one else sees. Right in the front of them. The Wright brothers didn't have any monopoly on what makes planes fly. Abraham's could have, Abraham could have built a plane and flew it. Everything to fly a plane was present in the day of Abraham. Gravity, lift, air, velocity, the whole, whole thing was there. But putting it together, the vision to put it together, didn't happen. To make us successful in life, everything is in place. It's putting it together, joining the dots. We need, therefore, to understand that vision is visual reality of your purpose for your existence. Vision is foresight with insight based on hindsight. You learn from the past, you see the future, and then you get the wisdom to apply what you have. Vision, therefore, is available in every human heart. I wrote this down for you to take a note. The word vision is from the word optica. Uh, the word optica means coming into view. It's an interesting word in the Greek language. Where we get our word vision from? It's the word optica. And vision, therefore, is defined in the Greek language as coming into view. Something that is far away, but it's real. Vision is a preferred future. Uh, the, another word for vision is revelation, which means to unveil something. Uh, to see the future from the present. Vision is the capacity to believe what you cannot see and prepare and plan for it. Vision is an internal clear mental image of a future that you prefer that's imparted by God through inspiration in the spirit and the heart of a human being. Where, does you get, where do you get vision from? And many leaders have debated this for years. Where do a person get vision from? The answer is simple to me. You get it from purpose. Purpose is the key to vision. What is purpose? The word purpose is used in the biblical text many times. It's the key to business. It's the key to success. It's the key to, to fulfillment and learning how to live life fully. Uh, there's a statement I want to just draw your attention to. And it's found in the book of uh, Proverbs 19 verse 21. One of my favorite statements by the great King Solomon. Solomon says in Proverbs 19 verse 21, he says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose for that man will prevail. Isn't that powerful? Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose for that man will prevail. In other words, you've got many plans about what you want to do, what you want to be, where you want to go, what you want to build, who you want to marry, what you want to study as a career, what kind of vocation you want. God says, you've got all these ideas of what you want to be and do and go. He said, but I've already got a purpose for your life. And that will prevail over everything you plan. In other words, the key to your life is not what you plan, but what you purpose to be. So to God, there are three things about life. Number one, purpose is more powerful than plans. Number two, purpose is more important than plans. Number three, purpose precedes plans. It was established long before you were even born to create plans. So the key to life is discovering your purpose and then make plans according to your purpose. Purpose, therefore, is the secret to your business. When you find your purpose, you suddenly no longer have a job. 
When you found your purpose, it becomes the key to your passion. It's the source of your motivation. When you found your purpose, you don't need a boss anymore. You don't need a punch clock. You don't need anybody to tell you to do anything. You don't need someone to wake. You don't even need an alarm clock when you find your purpose. You kind of just wake up ready to go all the time. When you find your purpose, Mondays become the greatest day of your life. When you find your purpose, you stop working for money. It's that statement that Solomon made when he says, a man's gift makes room for him in the world. Not a man's education. That's why education is not the key to your success. Educated people get degrees to count the money of those who ain't got none. It's the person who discovered their assignment, their purpose in life, that becomes successful. And they're the ones that impact those who haven't found theirs. And out of that purpose comes your vision. When you see what you were born to do, it's called vision. Everybody here, every one of you, were born to solve a problem. You were created to do something no one else can do like you could do. There's a gift in every one of you. It's the reason why you were born. There's an assignment that you were given by divine providence. And only you can fulfill that assignment. That's why you got a big dream, but you know what to do with it. That's why you hate your job. Purpose makes your jobs uncomfortable. That's why it says your purpose will prevail. It'll make everything you do frustrating. Purpose is the thing you'd rather be doing. Purpose is the thing that makes you angry every time you see it. Purpose is the thing that makes you mad because someone should fix it. Whatever makes you angry is what you were born to do. And that's where your prosperity is. Your prosperity is in your purpose. People will pay you to fulfill your purpose. That's where your prosperity is. You will never become successful financially from your job. Never. Your success is found in your purpose. And when you see it, and you document it, it becomes vision. Vision is therefore a documentation of your purpose. It is when you found your reason for living and you decide to go there. Vision, therefore, is not a human concoction of a private view of history or the future. Vision is a reflection of what God wants you to accomplish for Him. To fulfill His purpose in the earth and build His kingdom on earth. In other words, vision is never a private thing. Your vision from God is not to have a big house and a nice car. That's not a vision. That's ambition. Vision always makes a positive impact on humanity. If what you're doing will help your community and help the people in the city and help the people in your world, then that's a vision from God. Your vision is not to become a multi-millionaire. That's not a vision. That's ambition. But your vision become a multi-millionaire so you can do something to help people. That's a vision from God. Solomon says, I want to wrap this up on this one. Solomon says, where there is no vision, the people what? Perish. Blessed is the man who keeps the laws of God. Now, I first read this in Proverbs 29 years ago. I was shocked when I found out what it meant in the Hebrew. I got a you know, degree in theology and studied Hebrew, and I was shocked at how dumb I was. Here's a statement we quote all the time. You don't understand what it means. It says, 
Without vision, people perish. The word perish doesn't mean to die or be destroyed. The word perish actually means to be, uh, to, to, to lack self-control, to be undisciplined. Without a vision, people throw off restraint. They throw off self-control. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. When a person has vision for their lives, suddenly their lives take on a complete control. They stop trying to do everything. They stop trying to be everybody. What Solomon meant was where there is no vision, people throw off restraint. Where there is no revelation of the future, people throw off self-discipline. Vision is the source of discipline and the mother of leadership because people get their leadership from their passion. The man or woman with a clear vision for their lives, they live a very narrow life. Vision makes life very what? Simple. You know, all George wants to do is network. That's all. You talk to the guy, you're you sick of it, aren't you? I mean, just network. It's a network, network. His life is simple. He's not trying to be the politician. He's not trying to be a musician. He's not trying to be a dancer. He's not trying all the stuff you're trying to be. It's just network. Simple network that's what vision does it makes you simple your problem is you're trying to please everybody clap your hands right there good place to clap <laughs> kentucky fried chicken sells one thing chicken <laughs> burger king sells what burgers not just burgers a certain kind of burger. Whopper. <laughs> McDonald's sells what? Burgers. What kind of burger? Not any kind of burger, but what? Big Mac. Pizza Hut doesn't sell burgers, not chicken. They sell what? Pizza. Now, if you notice that all those companies, when they want to establish a franchise in your city, they look for each other. Now, you see, us folks, we want to be the only one on the block, child. This is my business. I don't want no one, no competition. Fear of competition is evidence of lack of vision. I'm going to say it again. Fear of competition is evidence of lack of vision. When a person understands their purpose and see their vision, they have no competition. You cannot compete with an original. So you welcome people. That's why this networking is so important. Because you're going to meet people right here this week who are doing the same thing you're doing. But you can tell them straight, you can't do it the way I was born to do it. So let's make friends. Let's help each other. You see, and so when McDonald's finds Pizza Hut and Pizza Hut finds Kentucky and Kentucky finds Burger King, they set up shop right next to each other. Why? They know that none of them could duplicate each other. They got original vision. When you walk into Big Mac and you ask for Kentucky Fried Chicken, they send you across the street. Isn't that amazing? They don't try to make chicken like some of us. No, they send you to the next person. Come on, you folks. I'm talking to my people now. You know how we go. I, 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 I can fix some for you. No, 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 no. He can do it better than I can do it. So send him to the other guy. Come on, clap your hands, somebody. 
We will never succeed if we try to be everything to everybody. That's why everyone here has a different talent, a different gift, a different vision. And we need to come together and send people to each other. The only way to be successful in networking is to feel comfortable with your originality. Discover your purpose. And so, vision is the source of discipline. It makes life simple. You were not born to do everything. Write that down. I thought it was so important for you to remember. Say it with me. I was not born to do everything. Say it loud. I was not born to do everything. Come on, say it a little louder. I can't hear you. Say it again. I was not born to do everything. Give yourself a hand. That's important to remember. Sometimes we think, well, I got to try and make a living by helping or try to beat everything to everybody else. No. Statement here, Luke 10. God, Jesus told Martha, few things are necessary in life. Only few. Half of the things you're doing right now ain't necessary. The reason why life is filled with jacks is because they have decided not to master anything. Tell him, my name ain't Jack. Jack of all the trades and mastering nothing. Master something. That's where your gift is. That's where your prosperity is. It's in mastering that one thing. Some of you change jobs every three weeks. That's Jack. Changing business every two years. That's Jack. Vision is the ability to see beyond the present, create what exists but cannot be seen by others. Vision is the primary motivator of human action. People act because they see things. The vision you have for your life creates consequences and affects how you spend your time and your resources. Once you capture where you want to go and you see what you were born to do, it begins to control your life because a strong vision inspires passion. This passion transforms and controls your life and vision is the source of discipline. Sight, therefore, is a function of the eyes, but vision comes from the heart. Let me give you this list. I want you to write a list down here. Sight is the ability to see things as they are. Vision sees things as they could be. And all true vision will be tested for authenticity. Now listen to me carefully, George. You're getting ready to go into your phase. This, this is your big phase now. I'm going to repeat this statement. This one changed my life. All true visions will be tested for authenticity. I repeat, all true visions, get this tape please. You're going to need this tape one day soon. All true visions must be and will be tested for authenticity. If you say to the world, this is what I'm going to do, <laughs> life is obligated to test that. And if it is authentic, it will stand the test. If it wasn't real, life will destroy it by opposition. When a vision is authentic, it can handle disappointment, disagreements, confusion, attacks, criticism, disappointments, people leaving you, talking about you, frustrating you, money ain't coming in, people backbiting you. That's okay. If you believe it, you stay with it. It's authentic. There is no vision without a test. 
Some of you are being tested right now in your business. But if you know you were born to do this business, I'm telling you, you're coming out of the fire, not even smelling like smoke. If it's real, it stands the test. And by the way, nothing happens until you announce it. I'm going to say it one more time. Nothing happens until you announce it. This is the law of God. The law of God goes like this. Whatever you announce attracts tests. Peter, that great disciple of Jesus one day decided to talk too much. And he said to Christ, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will follow you to the end. I will die for you. And Christ says, oops. He says, oh, Peter, my, your mouth is big. You shouldn't have said it publicly. He said, now Satan has to test every word you just said. And he will sift you like wheat he said but but when thou art converted when you come through all that stuff then we can trust you you can share with your brothers some of you have opened your mouth i'm gonna start a company every demon in this city heard that oh you're gonna start a company i'm gonna do a conference oh yeah and here comes the test. But if it is assignment from God, then every test will be passed. And you're going to be able to share with your brothers, I came through, you can come through too. Come on, clap your hands and shout for a second. We'll be tested. And therefore, the man or the woman or a people with a clear vision for their lives... They live a very narrow life. I'm giving you some keys here. Vision makes your life narrow, brother. Vision protects you from doing everything. Stay with your assignment. You're the networker. I don't want to hear you a mayor. Now they're going to try to get you off course and say you make a good mayor. No, that ain't your gift. Your gift is networking. Stay with it. What is yours? Stay with it. You know, vision disciplines your life. Here's the list. Number one, vision chooses your future. Number two, vision chooses your friends. When you find your vision, you suddenly know who's supposed to be your friends. Some of you are all in bad company. If you know where you're going, you know who won't get you there. And sometimes your own family could become bad company. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. The minute you know your vision in life, it dictates your associations. Number three, vision chooses your library. The moment you know where you're going, you start buying books and tapes and videos that feed that area of your interests. 
You're going to be a doctor and reading books on wrestling. <laughs> huh? You want to be a businessman and reading romance novels? I can walk into your house right now and tell you your future by looking at the books in your house. What are you feeding yourself? What a place to be. And those materials out there available. What a place to get a good library stash. If you want to be a success, don't keep company with failures. And a book is a person. You're keeping company with that person. Your library is chosen by your vision. Number four, vision chooses how you use your time. Some of you have to take time off from your business and from your jobs to be here. What a wonderful investment you made. You are saying my vision for my life dictates how I spend my time this week. Give yourself a hand for choosing a good investment of time. And by the way, there are some people who are time stealers. Want to talk to you and ain't got nothing to say. They always want to shoot the breeze, call you on the phone, talk for five hours. In the end, you ain't progress one inch. <laughs> Manage your time based on your vision. Number five, vision chooses your energy, how you use your energy. Number six, vision chooses your movies. Here's another one. I mean, you go to Blockbuster and check out five videos and spend 12 hours watching junk and lost 12 hours of progress. I find it hard to watch TV. I'm too busy to waste my time. How do you spend your time with movies? What kind of movies do you watch? I know people who spend hours watching pornography. That's their future. You become what you keep conceiving. Next, vision chooses your priorities. If you know where you're going, then you make your life list based on where you're going. My priority is not to get involved in many good things, but the right things. And by the way, good is not always right. Please write that down. Some people are so preoccupied with good things, they have no time left to do the right thing that they were born to do. I believe that Satan's greatest weapon against people like me and you is not to do bad things, but to encourage us to do good things. So they make offers to you. So you know, you be on the city council, and you be on that council, and that council, and in no time, you ain't got time to pursue networking. Now, everything they ask you to do is good, but it ain't right. Right is defined by purpose. Write that down. Right is defined by your purpose. Whatever gets you to your purpose is right for you. That's why Paul says, everything is permissible for me to do, but not everything is beneficial. Beneficial is related to what you were born to do. Whatever benefits your dream and benefits your purpose, that's right for you. There are some people who have come to you and offered you good deals. They're not the best thing. Because it didn't take you to your dream. Vision chooses your hobbies. Even the games you play and the hobbies that you involve in should be related to your dream. I imagine that, you know, hobbies that would attract 
people like George would be playing golf. Everybody's on the, you know, they're networking on the golf course all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying golf, but I'm, I'm, I'm in something that's involving my dream. What are your hobbies? Vision chooses your diet. Uh-oh. If you know your dream will take 55 years to accomplish, then you can't just eat anything. It's so practical. Here you got this big dream and you're stuffing yourself filled with pork chop fat. Barbecue sauce every day. Macaroni, cheese, and coleslaw. Now you know you ain't going to make it to your dream, brother. Vision controls what? Your diet. People who know where they're going suddenly become diet conscious. Because they know that their life is limited and they got time only to fulfill their dream. They ain't got time to commit suicide with a fork. Vision also chooses how you invest your money. What do you spend your money on? Once you discover your dream, then you invest your money in things that get you to your dream. Those books that are out there by these great authors and myself as well. <laughs> and those tapes and those videos and then investing in this kind of conference every year. What a way to use your money to get to your dream. What do you spend your money on? Once you discover your dream, then you invest your money in things that get you to your dream. Those books that are out there by these great authors and myself as well. <laughs> and those tapes and those videos and then investing in this kind of conference every year. What a way to use your money to get to your dream. You know, I buy books and taste myself. I listen, my car is a, is, a, is, a, is a mobile seminar department. I'm serious. In my house, I got, I got my stereos and I got all these tapes and videos and, and, and these CDs and I keep feeding my dream. I am now in the process of building a, an, an international leadership institute. So every book I read is on leadership, is on building leadership. I'm spending thousands of dollars on books and tapes on leadership. Why? I'm building a global leadership institute. I got to know about this. And I read everybody, including Hitler, to see where he went wrong. <laughs> Invest your money in your vision. Stop buying expensive clothes that don't take you to your dream. Vision chooses your what? To-do list. Every day when you write a list of what to do, the night before, of course, you make it based on where you want to go in life. My to-do list is very short, and it comes from my vision. Vision chooses your attitude toward life. Vision chooses your life itself. What you will become is what you choose, and what you choose should be dictated by where you want to go. Vision chooses your life's plan. I have in my office a three-inch ring binder behind my desk. It's my whole life in it. Everything I want to do before I die is in that particular folder. And whenever I want to know if I'm on track, I pull it out and just go to the section where I'm at and know where I need to go. So based on my plan in that book, I have to live to be 97. Anything more than that is... You know, just a blessing. But based on what I need to do, I already know my death day. Show me a plan for 40 years. Do you have it? Can you show it to me? I mean, detail, 40 years. What are you going to be doing in 2050? Or 2012? 
What do you plan to be? What do you plan to be achieving in 2021? Can you show me? Can you sit down and see your future that much? That's what God expects. I'll never forget the day the Lord blew my mind. He said, I will give you the desires of your heart. And then in that chapter, Proverbs 16, a verse that changed my life, it says, To man belong the plans of the heart, and the Lord gives the explanation of the tongue. Now, that didn't make sense to me, so I had to look it up in the history of the Hebrew context. And here's what it means, brother. It means you make the plans, God explains how to pay for it. In other words, don't worry about the money. Just make the plan. Make it big. What's in your heart? He said, don't worry about the, the resources. In verse 16, it says, To man belong the plans of the heart, and the Lord directs the steps of the plan. That's amazing. God says, you make the plan, I'll direct the steps of it. We keep asking God to direct our business, direct our plans. God says, direct what? I don't see a plan. Somehow God hasn't spoken to me for a long time. I feel like God, in the, well, he's asking, direct you where? So God, give me money. For what? Lord, help me. To do what? Show me. Show you where. Ask me. For what? Where's your plan? The plan I have on paper will cost about $300 million dollars. We're on our way. We built an organization now that's worth multi-million dollars so far, and I got a lot more to go. So every day I got material for prayer. Here's the prayer. It's already on paper. Come on, pay for it. Come on, clap your hands. That's how you pray. You have a material, get a plan. He directs the steps of it. There's money that's looking for your assignment, but it can't find it. Vision chooses your life's plan. So here's the principles of vision I want to leave you with. Vision is a product of purpose. Vision is the source of true leadership. And vision is a documented purpose. Write your purpose on paper. Vision is detailed, customized, distinctive, unique, and reasonable. Vision is never that which maintains the status quo. It always changes history. Vision always demands change vision is future focused if you capture this spirit and take it from this conference that your business that even that you involve in is too small go back and ask God for the big one don't just have a small business think of global business don't just think of one store think of franchising don't think of one product Think about a line of products that represent your passion. Don't think of one boutique. Think of, of, of a line of boutiques that can be spread out through three states. Dream. Capture the internet. Make it yours. Sell your products to the world. And, and let your customers be the six billion people on earth. Don't dream small. Let your vision be as big as your imagination. And God we'll see that it's paid for. <laughs> Successful people are always doing things they ain't supposed to be able to do. You can always
always tell when you found God's will for your life. Two things happens. One, you get excited. And two, you become afraid. You found it. Excited because it appeals to your fulfillment. Afraid because it's too big. If it's big enough to frighten you, it's God's will. Stand up on your feet for me. Tell your neighbor, I'm loaded. Tell your neighbor, I'm going all the way. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to deliver this baby. Tell your neighbor, I see things you can't see. Tell your neighbor, before I die, you're going to see what I saw. <laughs> Woo! Woo! Take somebody's hands. We're going to get out of here take a break so we can get back for Brother Jake's. Tell your neighbor, if you knew who I really was, you would give me some money right now. <laughs> Keep holding hands. Don't let them go. I want to pray for a second. I want to pray for you for a second. Praise God. Oh, you want my hand. This is a smart woman. Let me tell you something as we leave here. Listen to me carefully. Everybody in this room is pregnant just like Mary. You received a baby that didn't come from any man or woman. Every male in here is pregnant and every female. Mary's first response, her first response to the angel was, how can this be? Seeing that I am a virgin. Can I suggest to you, God only deals with virgins. What's a virgin? A virgin is a person who never did it before. So you qualify. Come on, talk to me. Whatever he is showing you right now, Whatever you are feeling all these years you want to do, the things that keep going over in your heart and your spirit, the things that wake you, make you mad, I want to do this, that big thing, you haven't, you haven't done it before. You're a virgin. That's why you got to do it. And then a second question was, how can this be? He gave her two answers. And those answers are still the same. If you want to bring forward God's baby that you carry, the dream you have, that vision you have, that big business you see, that awesome school you carry, that music contract you're dreaming about, that awesome, powerful ministry God told you to establish, whatever it is, two answers he gave her. He says, one, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, God will always give you something that you cannot do without him. So whatever you're dreaming, if you don't need God to do it, you are not fulfilling God's plan for your life. And the second answer was, Elizabeth is pregnant. What a strange answer. She said, how am I going to have this baby? He said, two things. One, the Holy Spirit, you need God. And then Elizabeth is pregnant. Now what does Elizabeth have to do with bringing forth a baby? 
Elizabeth was an old woman, almost a hundred years, who wanted a baby all her life. And God gave her a miracle baby. She was pregnant in her old age. And she was six months pregnant when Mary met the angel. She was carrying a miracle baby. Angel said, if you want to have your baby, two things. You need the Holy Spirit and you need Elizabeth. It says, Mary immediately dropped everything and ran to Elizabeth's house. And when she walked into the yard, her eyes met Elizabeth's eyes. And it says, the babies leaped in their womb. You see, you shouldn't keep coming with anybody who doesn't make your baby leap. Get in the company of pregnant people so you could keep your baby. Don't keep company with dream killers, vision abortionists, who tell you it can't be done. They ain't never done this before in this city, Brother George. What are you trying to do? They ain't gonna come. You can invite folks, they ain't gonna come. Some of them big fellas, they ain't gonna come. God says, shut up and do it. Don't listen to the dream killers. company with people who are pregnant and keep company with people who are advanced in pregnancy because they've been through the morning sickness already and when you feel like giving up they're the ones who come and throw their arms around and say honey I've been through that just hang on keep your baby gonna be all right can I hear it amen somewhere choose your environment I know Mary did she stayed there for three months she stayed long enough until it was too late to deny she was pregnant I hope that these three days here would cause you to be so pregnant that when you leave here when you go back to your business to your home to your job to your work they'll say you look different you talking different you you sound different uh, you've been somewhere tell them mm -hmm. <laughs> I've been with Elizabeth if you want to know who I am why I came all the way from the Bahamas here you can simply call me Elizabeth I came to make your baby leap and I know I feel them leaping right now I feel your in your heart your dream is bursting Let's pray. Father, thank you that there'll be no abortions. In this crew of people, the world is about to be changed. I release your anointing upon every person here that they will go back and determine I'm going to deliver this baby God gave me. I'm going to bless the world with this child. I'm going to impact my community with this dream and the world will know that God sent me. Father, prosper the works of our hands and may we fulfill the assignment you gave us to do. We thank you for it right now. Let the business prosper. Let the work explode and let the kingdom of God be expressed through our success in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody say amen. amen. Put your hand on your stomach right here. Put, put your hand right here, everybody. Repeat after me. No abortion. Special delivery. Here I come. God bless you. See you again tonight. God bless.